Welcome to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you haven't joined us before, we're passionate about all things internal medicine and helping you become the best tech you can be. We'll be discussing interesting internal medicine diseases, how to work closely with pet parents, and how to become the go-to tech in your practice. Now, let's start the show. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for listening and making commitment to your learning. We hope that you're doing well. Uh, we're your hosts. I'm Yvonne Brandenburg, joined by Jordan Porter. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. <laughs> oh, yeah, we skipped last week because we were both sick and we're still recovering. So if we sound sickish, <laughs> yeah. that's why. Well, and Yvonne called me out because I don't have my headphones in because I still can't hear. So when I put my headphones in, I don't like it. But but we're here. We're here. (laughs) Oh, so crazy. I know. I just realized as I was like sitting here in my crazy like office that is in shambles at the moment that this will be the last time that I record in the She Shack. Oh, right. It's kind of crazy. Like we might do one more recording in here, but that's it. I only technically have four more days here and then I'm up in Oregon, which is crazy because it's been three months. (laughs) Like, oh my God, it's actually happening. I don't know. And then I'll have to figure out where like how my office will work i gotta i still have to figure out internet so hopefully hopefully there's no problems with that yeah um yeah no i don't have anything fun to report other than like my trip to ohio went well other than getting sick well i think i may have been sick prior to going but it like really hit like Mm. my trip um that sucks and I've been sleeping, and then I said, all right, enough sleeping. Maybe you should get up and get moving to get feeling better. <laughs> um, and then I got on steroids and antibiotics, and now my steroids are out, and I think that's why I'm feeling, like, extra drained today. Like, today's my first real day without, like, steroids on board. Oh, uh, yeah. That'll, that's probably part of it. So... And I feel like yeah. I'm yelling constantly, and I was, like, getting on my kids, because, like, they would just talk to me, like, regular, but I was like, I can't hear you <laughs> like oh your ears are so plugged <laughs> they're so plugged and so it's like especially if there's like more than one noise going on at a time so like if music playing or the tv's on and someone tries to talk to me or if two people try to talk to me at once i'm like it just like it i can't function i oh, no. i'm starting to very much lose my patience with it and i feel really bad because like my poor kids are going to get the brunt of it here soon <laughs> oh that sucks i'm so sorry <laughs> okay I just need I know. to go back to bed. I just need to go back to sleeping for a week, I think. Yeah, seriously. I know this week is going to be crazy. So, oh my God, I don't even know. I think, so Thursday, we drive up the first time to Oregon. Saturday morning, I fly out of Oregon to go to Texas for a conference, come home Sunday. Then the plan is to drive back down on Monday to pick up the last of the stuff, pick up the cats. And then come back up on Wednesday. And then be able to move into the house. 
Goodness. It's just like, yeah, we'll be in an Airbnb getting some stuff set up. Um, because like it sounds so random, but my mom so my mom's moving with us, like she'll be able to get into her house right away. But like the main house where Kevin and I will be, um, they're renting for a week so that they can fully move out. So we have to like wait for that week to be done to move into our house. But my mom can move into hers. But we also need to like make sure like electrical and all this other stuff. So we're going to be in Airbnb in between. So I'm sure I'll record an episode from there once. <laughs> and then I mean, do you knows? remember when we first started recording the podcast though? And like you recorded from your friend's closet. Yeah. Yeah. So I saw a picture of that. <laughs> This is true. We've I know. Up. It's like the evolution of the places of where I've recorded from. I recorded from my kitchen counter for a while. My mm-hmm. friend's closet. Then I think I went back into the kitchen. And then eventually built the she shack. Mm-hmm. I've been here most of the time. And then... I don't know, Airbnb and then eventually my office again. So we'll we'll see. <laughs> there may be some random in between conversations, but oh yeah. Yeah. It's been it's been a journey. <laughs> yeah. It has been. We are um I, I wanted to pull up this one because I don't think we did this review previously. And this one's from OK Heather, which is kind of awesome. Um, and it says, do yourself a favor and listen to this podcast. I like this one. I might have to use this for things. But it says, this podcast is brilliant. I've been listening since it started back in 2019. And I look forward to hearing Yvonne and Jordan's dulcet tones explaining everything veterinary internal medicine related and more. <laughs> like our where are we recording from? Yeah, right. um, yeah. Uh, the information is laid out in easily understandable fashion, yet not dumbed down, which sometimes I sometimes I wonder if we're like too dumb or too smart sounding. I don't know. So it's good that it's not too bad. Um, they go over topics thoroughly. Their guests are fantastic. And at the end of the podcast, you're left with a feeling of complete understanding Truly and an invaluable resource for anyone in the veterinary industry, pet owners, or those just curious as well. I have yet to find an, a podcast as informative as this, and I hope this podcast goes on forever. Aww. <laughs> oh, I know. I, was, I just realized, I think we're on 157 episodes today, which blows my mind. <laughs> I'm like... I remember when we were just like, oh, well, well, if we can get past the first seven episodes, we'll be good. I know. I don't know, though. This week I'm feeling like pretty sluggish, so <laughs> I can't look. I mean, bad. I think it's because we're both sick and we're just like, ugh. Yeah. I'll get there. I feel I'm like sure I'm at the like back. further end of it, though, than you, because I don't think I was sick as long as you. I feel like mine was like maybe a week and yours is, I think yours is going on three weeks now. Yeah. Well, okay. So that's the thing is like, so I was sick. And then right before I left for my conference for Ohio, I had like a five day window where I did feel like normal and good. Mm, Okay. I had recovered and then I got sick again and I've been 
I've definitely been feeling crummy since we're going on what's today? Sunday? Sunday, yeah. So like 12 days. Dang. Yeah. No, no fun. Yeah. So hopefully we don't sound hopefully we make sense this episode. <laughs> Which is kind of ironic because we're talking about the plague. Dun, dun, dun. So we kind of feel like we have the plague right now. But we definitely don't according to what symptoms are for the plague. And we'll talk about that in a minute. In a minute. Um, but that's what we're going to that's what we're gonna talk about today. Which, yeah. Um, anything else we need to talk about before we jump in? I don't know. <laughs> no <Okay>. no <laughs> all right let's just go with that <laughs> um all right so the plague yersinia pestis um i it's funny because i think i did for um one of my reports in school i think i did mine on yersinia pestis and part of it was because from i know this is really random but my family in germany um, because it's Europe, right? There's um there's a little there's like this teeny little chapel next to like a, a lake that we always go by. And it's like it can have maybe like 20 people in it. Like it's teeny tiny. Um and like you look at all the gravestones like in the churchyard, and all of them are around the like time of like the bubonic plague. And and it's crazy because apparently that city that was associated with that chapel was wiped out by the plague and apparently that was a very much a thing that happened in europe and so for me i was like i'll talk about the plague it sounds great um so yeah i have a an interest in the plague historically uh, i don't want to deal with it professionally but <laughs> yeah yeah no thanks no it's cool um but yeah, it's it. The other thing that's kind of interesting is I remember, um, and we'll talk about kind of where it is usually found in the United States. Um, but I remember we got a brand new doctor at my clinic, and she like had this case of a cat, and I want to say it like had an abscess or something, and she was just like, "Oh, this cat has the plague," and we were like, "What in the world are you talking about?" Um, but she came from an area that like was super endemic of plague so like in that area it probably would have been the plague but here it was just like a regular abscess it's pretty funny I so i i don't think i'd feel very comfortable if i came across the plague i know we had one pet that we thought that we tested it for mm. my entire career but luckily that tested negative right right yeah the one i tested tested negative so, so Yersinia pestis, it actually used to be called Pasteurella pestis, um, which I thought was interesting that they changed it. Um, but it is an acute, uh, sometimes fatal, uh, depending on how quickly you start treating it, bacterial zoonotic disease. It is treat, uh, transmitted primarily by the fleas of rats and other rodents. And it exists in the Western USA and throughout the world. So definitely in my neck of the woods. Uh, this, the actual bacteria was first kind of discovered and 
realized what it was back in 1894 by Alexander Yersin. So that's why we call it Yersinia pestis, because, you know, we got to name it after people, everything. You're a doctor, things get named after you. Um, he worked at the Pasteur Institute, uh, and it was, at the time, there was an endemic kind of breakout of the plague in Hong Kong. And so that's what, when they realized kind of what it was and and uh, named it. And then in the U.S., we didn't get it until early 1900s from shipping ports that came from Asia. Um, so it makes sense if they had like a big outbreak in Hong Kong and a lot of things were shipped from there. And it's the fleas from rats. That's what we're, you know, dealing with. They're going to be on ships. So it totally makes sense that it would have come here pretty easily. Yeah. Um. So... I don't know. Did you ever did you ever watch the um the cartoon, the short from Ratatouille? No. It's like the oh all right. I'm gonna have to put the link in the notes. It's it's cute, it's on YouTube. But it's um it's called I think it's like called the Black Death in Rat- Ratatouille or something like that. But it's Remy and his brother. They talk about how everybody thinks it was the rats that caused the plague but it was actually the flea so it's really cute it's like them like defending rats it's, it's pretty funny Aww. we'll put we'll definitely put the link in the notes because it's really cute um so yersinia pestis it is bacteria it is gram negative uh it's non-modal it's a um cacobacillus belonging into the enterobacteria today family it's fancy stuff uh, it is typically um, found in different temperatures and environments, although it tends to be kind of in the drier places. Uh, and it su- survives in the fleas and transmitted to and multiplied in mammals. So the flea is like the, the host and then the mammals, you know, that's where it kind of multiplies, but it needs the flea to really spread. Um, it does not survive in high temperatures or dry environments. Weird. Hmm. Hmm. Maybe so it's because of rat thing. Yeah. <laughs> Which is funny because Western U.S. I'm like, it's usually dry out here, but I guess it's the flea thing. Um. Well, not only that, but it's so it is the rat flea, but if, there's a lot of um, like rabbits and other rodents and and stuff that it will live on so i think that might be part of it i see um so yeah um ground squirrels wood rats those are commonly infected rodent species dogs and cats so dogs and cats are not the primary host for the fleas so it it is a different flea than um our dog and cat fleas which is i think it's Cynos, oh, I can never say this one. Cynocephalides? Cynocephalides? Is that, is that how you say the dog and cat flea? Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, why sure. You, I always pause. So I know. <laughs> this is very true. Sorry. Yes. Cynocephalides. <laughs> and I'm probably saying that wrong. But anyways, um, the that is not the common flea that it it 
lives in it usually is the rat flea um but it it can it can multiply in dogs and cats but it's not in our fleas that we find so it's kind of crazy but anyways so typically dog and cats when they get um exposed to it it's usually the mucous membrane so in their mouth um comes into contact with secretions or tissues of an infected rodent or rabbit or by the bite of an infected flea, so the rat flea. Um, most of the times risk factors for this, for cats especially, is going to be those hunters. So if they like eating rodents and rabbits, um, if you have an animal that goes and visits a place that is um, uh, infested with the, the plague, so um i know that there have been times where like parks like dog parks have been closed because like the squirrels or the rabbits in the area have a spike in plague um i think i remember a few years ago like a bunch of the the rabbits in um yosemite had been infected so they like had to like deal with the plague and i mean it's it's fairly easy to control but it's definitely a big deal um, so with wild rodents and rabbits, um, the plague is actually almost a hundred percent fatal. So if they do catch it, they usually do die. Um, and that's part of the reason of, or that's part of the way that it transmits because it is then eaten by dogs and cats and then, or other animals and then transmitted further. Um, and that actually is one of the ways that since it is zoonotic, um, you know, if you have a dog or a cat that does potentially come in contact with the plague and bring it home, you can get it from them because of the fleas that could, you know, then bite you. So please, please are bad. <laughs> please, ma'am. Thankfully, um, because we have a ton of plague in the western usa um thankfully because we don't have a lot of fleas here uh where it is not a crazy flea zone which is great um it's not as bad as it could be so yay um we have fleas but they're not as common um birds and non-mammals tend to be resistant to plague so that's exciting um, and the places that we will see it, so on the CDC website uh, and the AVMA, I think also, um, we have an average of about 10 human cases reported each year in the U.S., and it tends to be New Mexico, California, Colorado, and Arizona. Um, that tends to be where most of the cases come from. Well, with when we're talking about the plague, there's three different kinds of plague, so it's all about how the bacteria responds into the body and like where it multiplies and all that. So the three forms, there's the bubonic plague, there's septicemic plague, and then there's pneumonic plague. Um, Can so, you have all three at once? That'd suck. I, so I think when I was reading it, I was trying to figure out, I'm like, okay, well, so I think you can have all three of them at the same time because I think it's one of those like, one potentially leads to the other to the other kind of thing so it's almost like a domino kind of deal but so what happens is um so the bacteria 
gets into the flea and it multiplies and the thought process is it then di- it blocks the flea's digestive tract which is crazy and then what happens is the flea stops digesting blood meals so it then, <laughs> it then because it's blocked then regurgitates the plague bacteria and inoculates the host that way. So it's like feeding instead of eating, it just like regurges plague into the host, which is disgusting. Yummy. So it's like vomiting back into your bloodstream, which is gross. Um, although there have been some experiences of uh, experiments recently that have shown that unblocked fleas are trans better transmitting the plague than blocked fleas fleas which is weird i'm like what how do you even how do you know if a flea is blocked like are you doing ultrasounds like what what is happening with these fleas uh i can't my thought process Um, so once these fleas have bitten someone or an animal, um, the fleas become infected within a day and then be, they are infectious for at least four days, if not a little bit longer. Um, and then once that ant mammal has been infected, it's, it actually, infects them very quickly and usually within a couple of days so bubonic plague is where um the bacteria gets into the lymphatic vessels and it causes swelling of the lymph nodes so um bites the skin or mucous membranes travels to the lymphatic vessels then goes to the regional lymph nodes and then those lymph nodes infected lymph nodes are called bubus buboes buboes Makes sense, not bubbles. <laughs> they look like bubbles. Look like bubbles. <laughs> um, so bubbles or bubos, depending on how you say bubonic plague, I'm sure. Um, and so that's a typical lesion. If you look at like the pictures online, it's like giant lymph nodes and looks horrible. Um, then there's the septicemic plague, which is they spread from the affected lymph nodes to the bloodstream. And then um, infects numerous organs, so spleen, heart, liver, and lungs. Although you can have primary septicemic plague where it doesn't, you don't get the lymphadenopathy that you do with the bubonic. So I feel like that would be worse though, right? Like if your lymph nodes were not reacting to. (laughs) I know. I'm like, ooh. Septicemic plague. Yeah. yeah. I don't don't know. know. All that sounds horrible, right? (laughs) so yeah so i i think it also makes it harder to 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 diagnose like if you had these huge lymph nodes it's probably one of those things where you go oh this is what i'm thinking it is versus like if you just all of a sudden are septicemic but without the lymph node enlargement maybe it's like lower on your differential i don't know and then the third one is pneumonic plague um so this can develop, I love this, this can develop from inadequately treated septicemic plague or from infectious respiratory droplets, so primary pneumonic plague, that has been coughed from a pneumatic plague patient, so an animal or a human. Hmm. So if, a, you know, you cough and spread your cooties, 
So if someone stopped antibiotics prior to. Or use the wrong antibiotics. Huh? Uh-huh. Or use the wrong antibiotics. Well, yeah, I'm just thinking of those people who are like, well, she got better. The lymph nodes went down. Oh, my God. So I just stopped the antibiotic and now we have pneumonic plague. Ooh, yeah. Could you imagine, though, giant lymph nodes, you're septic and you have pneumonia? Like, how much would that suck? I mean, I can very clearly picture that right now. Just like, <laughs> that, but like yes. You're like, do I have pneumonia? Do I know. I, have I know. I the like, plague? <laughs> I know I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, I've had enlarged lymph nodes for a week. <laughs> well, and that's okay. the thing too, uh, right? Like it's, it's mostly those symptoms are very like vague, vague and bacteria like, you know what I mean? Like it's kind of interesting. So, or interesting. I mean, it could be bacteria, it could be allergies. I mean, like it really like the differential yeah. is, is going to, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's internal medicine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, so the typical clinical presentation for cats, um, is bubonic type of plague. That is the the most common for cats. Um, so they, they typically will incubate about one to four days. Um, they present with fever, anorexia, lethargy, and enlarged lymph nodes that may be abscessed and draining, or, you know, just like a cat bite, whatever they could have oral, or lingual ulcers, abscesses, ocular discharge, vomiting, diarrhea, or cellulitis. Okay, yeah, it plagues off my list of differentials for myself. <laughs> um, of the ones that of the cats, there was a document there. There was a study. So of the cats that were infected with plague, fifty three of them, ha- or fifty three percent of them, had bubonic. Um, of those, seventy five percent of them had, um large subdibular submandibular lymph nodes um with bilateral enlargement in about a third of the cases affected lymph nodes showed necrosuppurative inflammation which is sounds horrible edema and hemorrhages and contain the yersinia pestis bacteria in them in infected cats the fever could get as high as 106 um, peaking typically about three days after exposure. Um, and of these cats, if left untreated, you're looking at almost like a 60% mortality rate. So untreated, these cats do not survive, which is crazy. Um, there were some of these cats that had enlarged lymph nodes in the medial retropharyngeal area, submandibular, sublingual, tonsillar, and could they, you could actually feel it about four to six days after they were exposed. Some of these cats actually, um, you could do throat, throat cultures and find the bacteria in their throat. Um, they did try to, they tried to simulate like a flea bite, um, by inoculating some cats and they didn't actually find find found, oh my god they didn't actually find that the lymph nodes were enlarged but they did have subcutaneous abscesses um so it's kind of an interesting idea that some of these cats with quote unquote cat abscesses that don't do well could potentially be plague which is kind of freaky like non-healing wound cat ab- cat abscesses just yeah just a subcutaneous abscess but that these are the ones that like they just aren't doing well 
right? They've got really high fevers. So, and, and don't, don't do the normal, like start on Clavamox and get better. You know what I mean? Like it could be that some of these are not as well. So if they have septicemic plague, so no obvious lymphadenopathy, right? They could still have, or they would still have fever, lethargy, anorexia, vomiting, diarrhea, high heart rates, weak pulses, prolonged CRTs. Some of them actually have DIC and also respiratory distress. Um, Because again, we're talking septicemia. Typically the pneumonic plague has not really been reported in cats surprisingly um so that's kind of kind of a good thing for dogs um dogs infected with plague tend to not be quite so sick as cats cats tend to definitely see it more um but in dogs we'll see fever lethargy submandibular lymph nodes you might see um intermandibular lesions like purulent lesions in the mouth um and coughing so which is crazy fun fact mountain lions bobcats can also show similar signs as domesticated cats um cattle horses sheep and pigs typically do not develop symptomatic illness but goats, camels, mule deer, pronghorn antelope, non-human primates, and llamas do show clinical in- illness. So interesting. I know, right? I'm like, oh, the plague, it's horrible. <laughs> um, so a lot of this also, like I said, um, definitely check out the Merck manual and the AVMA website. And then CDC, honestly, like for all the zoonotic stuff, like the CDC is going to be the better website for people stuff, but we don't totally talk about people stuff. So, um, differential diagnosis. So really, I mean, Jordan hit it on the head, right? Like it's a long list of different bacterial infections. Um, so the big ones is going to be like tularemia, abscesses from like cat bites, um, staph or strep infections, or those are going to be your, your big differentials. The problem is when we culture these patients and, and we'll talk about that in a second, cultures usually take like what, seven to 10 days to get final results. Yeah, These patients are getting sick between one and four days. So like you almost have to start treating them and then see what the results are, which is crazy. I mean, I guess that's internal medicine. We do that a lot, right? (laughs) This is true. Yeah. (laughs) So for diagnosing them, um, so when they're sick, doing cultures like whole blood culture, lymph node aspirates, swabs of draining lesions and cultures of that, oropharyngeal swabs from cats if they have an oral lesion or um, if there's a dog with pneumonia. If you basically it's like culturing swabs because it's bacteria, right? You want to, you want to find where the lesions are and culture those. Um, ideally those samples are taken before we start administering antibiotics. 
Um, Ursinia can take about 48 hours to see some growth on plates. So that's just one thing to kind of keep in mind. Um, you can see on um, necropsy, you can definitely find uh, the bacteria in liver, spleen, lungs, and lymph nodes, which kind of makes sense. Um, so that's just one of those things to kind of keep in mind. So for us for treatment, right? So get our samples and then we just need to, we need to start treating. Um, so treatment, if we're suspected of plague or anything along those lines, we definitely should start them before we have our definitive diagnosis. Um, streptomycin in people, um, tends to be the drug of choice, although it's hard to get. Genomycin is another for people. Um, it is a good alternative in veterinary medicine for seriously ill animals, um, but we really need to be careful, especially if a patient has kidney disease, like we wouldn't be using this. Um, I don't know about you, but we didn't use genomycin super oh. frequently. Uh, it was like reserved for special cases. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the other option is doxycycline or tetracycline or chloramphenicol, depending on what's going on. But penicillin, so like your moxiclav, right? Your clavimox is not going to be effective for treating plague. So this could be those cats that have a cat bite or cat abscess, a suspected cat bite. And we're like, why aren't they getting better? You know, it could be because the penicillin is not going to do what it needs to do. Yeah. Um. So just kind of keep that in mind. I kind of wonder sometimes, well, I wonder this a lot in veterinary medicine because we have these like animals that come in like ADR, right? Or fever of unknown origin. And we just start treating them, but we never get a definitive diagnosis. Well, and that's what I was just thinking about. I was like all those cats that we just give convenient injections to, and then we never like see or hear from them again. Yeah. But convenia that's penicillin based, isn't it? Yeah. So that wouldn't work. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm just wondering like mm. how often we would miss it, you know? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, they typically say for these cats and dogs, I'm going to say cats cause they tend to be more cats. Um, you want to do at least 10 days to 21 days. So three weeks for, um, treatment. Uh, and then it just, it just kind of depends on how they're doing. If you have any pneumonia, sometimes that's just longer, right? Um, I gotta say 10 to 21 days though, for treatment of like something like the plague to me is just like, Oh, okay. Yeah, it's not that long. I mean, once you, I mean, it's a bacteria, right? So as long as you have the correct antibiotic, like it's, it's not like a super hardy thing. You know what yeah. I mean? Like you, you hit it and then it's like, oh, okay. But if you don't treat it, it's pretty freaking deadly, <laughs> which yeah, is okay. kind of crazy. So, um, yeah, even in people, like they say that untreated um, people, it's the fatality rate is 50% and cats, it's 60%. But most of the times our modern antibiotics and stuff treat it um, pretty, pretty easily, which is crazy. Like if you think about like the Black Plague in Europe, right? Like that's what I think of when I think of the plague. Yeah. Um, it wiped out, I think, I think it said like a third of the population in Europe. Yeah which is insane. But if you think about it, like if you can cough on someone and they can get it <laughs> and like 
you know, way back when people weren't very clean. There were rats everywhere and fleas everywhere and people didn't know that they should bathe. <laughs> so it spread pretty easily. Uh, but yeah, it's much, much, much easier now. Because it is zoonotic um, and because it is potentially transmitted through coughing, especially a patient with pneumonia, we do recommend we apparently I'm part of the CDC now. Mm -hmm. Um, It is recommended that these patients be placed in isolation. There have been some, some cases of clients giving medications to their animals and actually catching it from a coughing animal because they were giving medications. So wear gloves, <laughs> wear a surgical mask, wear eye protection, especially just, you know, for those, those at least, um, until all their clinical signs have improved and then, you know, add a couple days after that. So, um, just, you know, be careful. <laughs> um, in interesting kind of retrospective, um, of the 23 human patients who developed cat-associated plague in the U.S. between 1977 and 1998, six were veterinary staff and the rest were cat owners or others handling a sick cat. So, so it's very transmissible. <laughs> Don't get the plague from an animal at your work. That would suck. That would suck. You're like, what's wrong? I got the plague. (laughs) Obviously, like, you know, if you suspect plague or if you get something that tests positive for plague, you're probably, because it is zoonotic and all this stuff, you're probably going to have to have some sort of investigation to look in the environment and be like, you know, do you have a population of rodents or rabbits or whatever that um, are endemic with it right so that we make sure it doesn't spread um i'm pretty sure that plague is one of those reportable diseases um so we just need to make sure that if if it does come up positive that we make sure we alert appropriate people um yeah so thankfully antibiotics proper hygiene flea prevention should help yeah, I mean, like, for as scary as plague sounds, like, <laughs> it's scary, but it's not the worst thing we've come No, out. no. Out of all the diseases that we have, it's treatable. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just, I mean, the big thing is it's just making sure that they get treated um, and starting on antibiotics. But it's, it's kind of, I mean, seriously, I wonder how many, I wonder how many of these, like, FUO animals right end up i mean i doubt it's like a huge number but i wonder like how many of us actually have seen plague yeah and just never ever knew it that's what i mean like think of all those like feral cats that come in that people just try to help and then like you know yeah i wonder like huh like a feral cat um colony or something like that that would that would be horrible if they like Ooh, like had plague run through them Ugh, i imagine that, that an entire feral cat colony probably would have been like recognized if they all oh yeah popping off one by one from oh, that would be really sad we're like what's wrong with that moto yeah yeah 
like I said, I mean, I've, I've tested for it like a couple of times and it was really funny because the doctor I worked with, she worked in New Mexico and she saw it there a few times. And so when she first got to us, like she tested all these cats for it. And we're like, why are you testing for plague? She's like, oh, I, this cat definitely has plague. And we were like, okay. And like, none of them came back positive. And so she just stopped testing for it. <laughs> we're like, Aww. yeah, it's, it's not really endemic to this area. You know how it is. Like when you go to a conference or something, you learn about something and then you swear you see it all the time. It's everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I know. I'm, I, it's kind of funny because I had to, I had to take my, um, jurisprudence test for Oregon. Um, and there was, I can't remember which disease it was now. Dang it. I think it was salmon poisoning, honestly. And I was like, like is that really a thing and then my husband's like there's salmon in the river by our house and i was like oh (laughs) oh i guess i guess it's probably more likely then because there's actually salmon around versus around here there's no salmon (laughs) so anything else you want to discuss about (laughs) the plague nope um, I definitely highly recommend Black Death from Ratatouille. It's like super short. I'm pretty sure it's less than five minutes, but it's really cute. Um, and I think when I was looking through, there's also even a like a TED talk about the plague. So you can <laughs> you can find a bunch of fun stuff. <laughs> it's the tip of the week. I'm gonna say um tip of the week is don't just assume a cat abscess is a bite wear gloves be protected be clean you should do that anyways that's my tip (laughs) yeah right i'm not i'm not a big fan of pus on my hands like people who (sighs) i know people are and it's so gross like cysts and stuff no not my hand nope pop those abscesses and stuff and just like let no i just it's never been my thing nope nope all right. Well, if you guys need anything, let us know. We're gonna we're gonna have spotty connection here. I know. I'm <laughs> for really the next couple weeks. We're like <laughs> calling in sick and like I don't know, <sighs> kind of MIA. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, I know. February has hit me hard. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, we kind of thought February was gonna be a little rough. I don't think we thought it was gonna be this rough. <laughs> No, I definitely didn't think it was going to be this rough. Like, I'm oh, I'm ready to move on to March with, like, hopeful thoughts that, like, I'll just be healthy the rest of the year. Yeah. I might need you to kind of run the ship in March because <laughs> I don't I, I don't know what my internet situation might be. Hopefully it won't be horrible. We'll figure it out. <laughs> you guys were like, where did Yvonne go? I don't know. She's living in the woods somewhere now. All right. Well. You guys have a wonderful week. Uh, let us know. I would love to know if you like have seen plague in a clinic. Yeah. Not in your personal self, because that would be horrible. Um, but <laughs> professionally, if you've seen plague, let me know. Uh, yeah. All right. Have a wonderful week. Keep getting your learn on. If you're in Texas next weekend please say hi. Um, I did get to say hi to somebody in Tennessee. So that was really cool. Um, I think Jordan, you, you saw some people in Ohio, right? Yep. Yeah. So 
please say hi to me in Texas because again, I won't know anyone. So I'll be by myself. <laughs> All right, guys, have a great week. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you like what you heard, we'd love for you to share with someone you think might enjoy the podcast and make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Want to give us a boost? Please leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher and we'll be sure to say thank you. Find out everything about us at internalmedicineforvettechs.com. Talk to you next week. Bye.